doesn't have to be biblical. Or no, well, so we're not. So yeah, that might work because what I'm looking at is uh, for for the introduction of the podcast we're going to talk about. So here's a statement. Okay. What does it mean? You know those signs that say "slow kids." I'm always like, "What? You're putting a sign up saying your kids are slow? That's kind of rude." <laughs> yeah. What if their kids actually are slow and they're listening, uh, and they actually have that sign out there for them? <laughs> well, there's another group alienated. Yeah. yeah. Oh boy. Alright, welcome to another episode of Practically Theologians, where we focus on making theology practical. Once again, we are recording from Sangre de Cristo Seminary in the one classroom that we all study from. I'm Andrew, and with me today I have Ferris, Nikki, and Josh. And today we're going to be discussing how to properly understand the Bible. It's been said that... Uh, or I should say Patrick Henry said, give me liberty or give me death. What did he mean by that, Josh? Well, I think, uh, obviously, he must have been in jail, and he wanted to uh, either be free from jail or just die in jail, I'm thinking. You think that's what it was? Oh, yeah. You you might need to go back and read some history books, but Ferris, what did he mean by that? Um, I think it's about insurance. Um, he really, really liked Liberty Mutual Insurance Company, and he would rather die than uh, have any other insurance than Liberty Mutual. Awesome. Nikki, what did he mean by that? Uh, I just think he had a, a real desire and love for the Statue of Liberty, um, that he wanted to be with Liberty, uh, and if he could not be with that giant uh, statue, yes. then he could not live. So take your pick. Any one of those. Or it could be that he was saying, I'd rather die than be ruled by a tyrant nation. And obviously, that's what he meant. But you can see the the danger in misunderstanding what someone says. And can you imagine how he would feel if he found out that someone was saying, someone was taking his quote his to mean... His famous quote. His Probably famous quote. copyrighted, trademarked, yep. and all that. To mean, to take that as advice on which insurance company they should go with. So that's why we're going to talk about the Bible and how to properly understand it because God hold up, has spoken. Hold up, sorry. So here's the thing: we should market this idea to Liberty Mutual Insurance Company. <laughs> Can make a killing. All right, go ahead. All right. So after we do that, I'm not cutting that out. <laughs> so back to what we were talking about: the reason why it's it's important to understand your Bible properly is because God has spoken. We have God's word. Amen. But the only way that it actually matters and applies to our life is when we properly understand it. We can't just take it and make it say whatever we want it to mean and say, and then think that somehow it comes with the power and the authority of God. So we'll be talking about that today on the podcast. Like I said, our topic is on uh, trying to come to a better understanding of why it matters Uh, how we understand the Bible, how we interpret the Bible. And we're going to talk first about why our hermeneutic matters and what is a hermeneutic. Then we're going to talk about uh, some basic elements of a proper hermeneutic, some things that that, um, any Bible reader could put in place to know that they are properly understanding God's Word with confidence. And then at the end, we'll share some resources that might be helpful for um, anyone who wants to study God's Word in the proper manner to have the confidence that comes from knowing that they're doing it well and doing it right, uh, knowing that they're understanding God's Word correctly and applying it to their lives correctly, we'll share some resources that will help come uh, when we come to the end of the podcast. So first, what is a hermeneutic? 
Well, how would you guys define a hermeneutic? I think a hermeneutic is the things that you keep in mind when you are trying to interpret something. Um, you might be conscience, conscious of it, and you might not. Uh, it's things that you uh, either presume to be true, or you uh, you presume that the author is aiming at when you're trying to understand a text. Is that what other people would say? I would say a method or theory of interpretation. A method sure. or a theory of interpretation. That's Sounds like Google you came says. right up with that. <laughs> That's not your own wording? Thank you, Google. So so let's go back to our example with uh, give me liberty or give me death. How would someone come to a proper understanding, uh, or how would the hermeneutic play into understanding that, uh, what Patrick Henry actually meant when he said that? I think that's what we're getting at when we talk about a hermeneutic. With business, uh, when you're trying to plant, see where your store should go, uh, the most important thing, the catch catchphrase would be location, location, location. With hermeneutics, I would have to say that if that was to be applied to be context, 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 um, which is why, you know, not to get off topic, but a verse of the day can be so misleading at times because it can say this, this is a great thing. Um, and you as a listener can misconstrue it and take it in a way that it wasn't biblically intended to do because you're not looking at who the audience it was written to was, uh, the time frame, who the author was, were they uh, a certain type of group of people, maybe believers, uh, Jews or, or converts later, um, And I don't, have, I don't know how to finish my thought. No, no, that's good. So so think about that. So <laughs> to take that verse of the day, right? Yeah. So you have a verse of the day that, that everybody is used to, right? You get like a devotion in your email, um, or you come across a website and it's got the verse of the day. Uh, so think about that. You see that verse. You don't know what the context is or where it came from uh, or what it means necessarily. And so your tendency is going to be to read that verse based on what you based on how it applies to your life right then and there and you're going to give that verse context. So if someone it'd be very easy even though it sounds ludicrous, it would be very easy for uh Liberty Insurance to take that line and say, "Hey, by the way, someone famous once said, give me liberty or give me death." Right? And they could twist that phrase, they could twist that quote into something that may sound like an endorsement of their of their product. Uh, and we all know that, that would be way out of line, but it'd be very possible for someone to read that read that line and think clearly this was talking about an insurance company, or clearly this was a, a prisoner talking about wanting to be out of of prison. Yeah, and I was watching a little clip on YouTube last night of uh, just an interview with uh, Marilyn Manson, and just what he is putting out as his music and everything. He grew up in a Christian uh, household, and he says that he can really see himself with a lot of what Christ did. Um, a lot of his his actions, how Christ was, uh, um, you know, not not the status quo. He didn't fit in with everyone, and he kind of did his own thing in a way. That's how Marilyn Manson took it. And there's just a radical uh, misunderstanding of the words of Christ um, that he is saying apply to his life, and uh, so that that's just the danger of taking something out of context. You can do anything you want with it. Right. Right. And when we talk about because it's God's word, it's of the utmost importance that we clearly, as clearly as we can, understand what he meant to say. 
and not make it say what we want it to say. Yeah. And that's our tendency as, as fallen human beings is to say, how can I take what God has said and make it fit my life mm-hmm. rather than have my life conform to what God has said? So, Nikki, you mentioned context, context, context. So let's go on to our next point. Uh, we want to talk about some elements of a healthy hermeneutic for someone who maybe hasn't gone to seminary, doesn't have training in the languages, but wants to read their Bible regularly and also have the confidence that they're understanding it properly. So you talked about context, context, context. What are some of the different ways that we can understand proper context? So when we're talking about context and trying to understand hermeneutics, the science of interpretation, come to a right interpretation of the scriptures, uh, there's several things we want to consider. Uh, One of those things would just be the grammar. Um, Grammar essentially being the basic sentence of a structure, you know, what are the verbs? What's the subject? Who's the one acting? What are they acting on? Things like that. You know, and so just understanding language at a, a basic level, maybe in the verse that we're looking at, if we're looking at understanding a particular verse. And then we understand that if we don't understand it just by looking at the verse, we should look at the verses around it. If we still don't understand it, go a little further out, maybe look at the chapter it's in, what comes before it, maybe some chapters before, some chapters after. I'm, I'm going to cut you off right there real quick. Yeah. Um, so you said if we don't understand it based on yeah. the verse that we're reading, and then if, so we'll, we'll go out to the broader context. Uh, I would just add a minor um, adjustment there, I think. Yeah. Chances are you're not going to understand it properly. Um, if you're just reading one verse, so right. I think the the so d- d- I think it's I'm in line with what you're saying, but right. the proper approach would be um, if I'm going to understand this verse, I need to have read the chapter. Yeah. I need to understand the book that it's in. But yeah, go ahead. So, yeah, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, nobody nobody opens Moby Dick to the middle. Nobody opens Moby Dick anyways these days. But. Well, yeah, <laughs> and uh, tries to understand. <laughs> Pick a different book that people would have actually yeah. read. Yeah, <laughs> we just offended all the people who want to save the whales too. So <laughs> lost that audience, or anybody that doesn't know what that book is. Which right, is probably yeah, yeah, most yeah. of the people that are listening. But no one opens a book to the middle and there just tries to understand a sentence alone. You have to read yeah, the book as right. a whole. Right. Um, and so we we understand the Bible in the same way. It begins a certain way, it ends a certain way. And we got to check, catch the direction that it's heading, who or where is it pointing to, and then, you know, go from there to try to get the gist of so, where does this fit. Yep. Yep. So what, what's, uh, let's talk a little bit about historical context. What? How important is the historical context? So I want to keep going back to our, our example. Um, would you guys all agree that the only way to actually understand what Patrick Henry meant when he said, give me liberty or give me death, is to understand what was going on historically at the time that he said it? Yes. Are there exactly. anybody who disagree with that? So does it, does it follow then that it would make sense to try to understand as best we can the historical context of the authors of the Bible when we read the words that they wrote? Hmm. Yep. That makes sense. Otherwise yeah. you don't necessarily understand their words or their um, the idioms that they use mm-hmm. or the metaphors they might use or um, or why they're even writing things. What what problems are they addressing? How are they addressing life? Mm-hmm. You don't really understand that if you sometimes if you don't understand uh, the historical context. Right. 
Yep. So, so one of the things that we talked about today in class was uh, the idea that the the phrase "rule of thumb" is commonplace today. If I say that's the general rule of thumb, you guys know what I mean, right? Mm-hmm. But 500 years from now, if I was to write that down, 500 years from now, somebody might read that and not have a clue. King Thumb. What I meant. Yeah. They might wonder who was this guy named Thumb <laughs> that was ruling, right? So so that shows that as time progresses, how we understand words changes. So it's important to get back into their context and try to understand what was going on historically. And do you think that also includes culturally then? What was going on in the culture around them? Yeah, especially uh, with the quote that we're talking about, give me liberty or give me death. For him, it was probably, uh, I don't know him very well, but it was probably in a political context. Maybe there was a, a battle of nations or uh, just, I don't know, something like... Like a revolution? Right, right. Yeah, no, you're right. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nicky just graduated high school, too. I think that he would know a little bit more about it, but... <laughs> Hence why I don't talk about it. <laughs> no, but you're right, though. So we have to get back into what was going on culturally as, as well. And we know that at the time that he said it, the people that were around him knew precisely what he meant. Right? So getting back into that context and figuring out uh, exactly what the words meant is important so that we don't misconstrue what we're reading. As you mentioned, uh, rule of thumb, that might be something related to the literal context okay, or different uh, figures of speech. Uh, Josh mentioned idioms. I don't know if all of our listeners know what an idiom is. Uh, maybe you could give an example of an English idiom. Maybe I could if I could think of one. <laughs> raining cats and dogs? Um, well, it's raining cats and dogs. That's a metaphor and Just an kidding. idiom. Mm-hmm. It's an idiom. Um, so the, That's cool. That's an yeah, idiom. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's rad. Yeah. So an idiom is like a phrase or it's a set of words that has a, a particular meaning for a particular context or culture. Yeah. Right. Woke. That's yeah. woke. What, what do you say here in millennials <laughs> nowadays? No, no, no one here says that. <laughs> what do we say? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Whatever they want, apparently. Right. Yeah, we can change our mind willingly. Oh, I feel like mm-hmm. I feel like this. I feel like that. That's kind of an idiom. Mm. Instead of I think. People didn't used to talk that way. I don't talk mm. that way. I wasn't. But, sure. But now younger kids are talking that way. But Ferris, you had a point to make. Yeah. But, uh, getting the literal context. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> get, getting the literal context of the Bible. Um, it helps to have, you know, I mean, some people might say that we try to understand the Bible literally. And uh, I know what they might mean by that. But what... What do we not? What do we not want to mean by we take the Bible literally? Does the Bible? Uh, it literally says things. It literally it says does. things. It really does. Yes. I would like to add something there. Okay. So uh, a common dispensational claim is that they take the Bible literally, and and when they say that, they normally indic- it's uh, implied or they state it outright that. People like, say, me, who I approach things from a covenantal view and more redemptive historically than they would, they would say, I allegorize or I don't take the Bible literally. But I don't think that they even take the Bible literally in many cases. They don't believe God has seven Holy Spirits, which I'm sure they've heard that um, an, uh, example. But I think the key is when you take the Bible literally, you take the Bible as the author of Scripture meant you to understand mm-hmm. it, which right. which means not literalistically, but literally. Yep. Right. So, mm-hmm. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Because I mean, uh, 
I could say something, and if you took it literally when I meant it as a figure of speech, uh, you know, then then I would uh, you would have missed my purpose in speaking. Yeah, uh, you would uh, have. I mean, that's I wouldn't have got the sense, and then therefore the referent. Right. Mm-hmm. Cut that out. <laughs> so like, so like after going for a run at this elevation, if you get done and you say I am dying. You're not actually expecting somebody to, to call nine one one CPR on yeah. the spot. Well, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> typically, yeah. Typically speaking, you're not necessarily <laughs> expecting someone to to call nine one one or start to do uh, life saving procedures on you because you right. said I'm dying. Um, because we understand that there's that we mean something by that, and we literally mean that we are very very tired. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially up here, you probably just ran like two minutes, but right. All right, so we've talked a lot about context, and I just want to, before we go on to our next point, I want to just kind of run through a few more steps uh, that you can maybe write down and keep in mind as you're studying out the Bible. Um, One of the things that we keep in mind is that Scripture cannot contradict itself. We also look to Scripture uh, as it interprets Scripture. So Scripture always interprets itself. Uh, We also uh, want to keep in mind that Scripture must be interpreted according to what it is literally saying. The Bible may be understood, even if some parts are harder than others. The Bible is clear, uh, but not equally clear. There are clear passages that help interpret the less clear, not the other way around. And now, a short segment on student life here at Sangre de Cristo Seminary. I want uh, Ferris has been doing a little bit of, of work here at the seminary. He's going to share kind of what he's been doing and kind of the process he's been going through. Uh, just on Wednesday, today is Friday, I preached a sermon on John chapter 7. Um, a very good sermon, by the way. Oh, thank you very much. And uh, the, that context is where Jesus goes to the Feast of Booths, and there he is ask the question, how is it that he knows so much when he has not studied? Um, he has not gone to one of the rabbinical schools. And when he, is, when he hears that, he says, my teaching is not from me, but it comes from him who sent me. Essentially saying that Jesus' own words were not his own ideas, but they're what his father had told him to say. And he also answers a second question, which isn't asked, but would be, how can we know that this is true, that your word comes from God? And his answer to that is, the one who wills to do the Father's will will know, essentially, the source of my teaching. So, what we see throughout the passage is different people not seeking to do the will of God, or not seeking God's glory, and really speaking from their own understanding of the world and the scripture, and totally missing Jesus, not understanding what he was saying, and not capable of believing what he's saying, because they were so settled on that they were right, and we're not seeking God's will, and we're not seeking um, his word, and so they missed it. Okay. So what was your problem? Maybe to summarize, what was your... Uh, just in a one sentence, uh, what's your, what was your proposition for the, the sermon that you preached? As an application that we should seek to speak God's word, 
not speak from our own authority, not speak from our own understanding, but speak from what the Scripture has to say. And secondly, we we do that by, or we um, we seek God's glory by doing that. And it, and if we do that, then we can be faithful to what what uh, God would have us do and what God would have us preach and hear. A lot of good stuff there. That was uh, definitely a run-on sentence, but uh, a lot of good stuff that you're laying out there. He's just copying Paul. He's <laughs> studying a, John, but he's turned into Paul. So it was definitely a Pauline sentence, but no, but very good stuff, and it, it was a very good sermon. Uh, Josh, you also had some activity this past week. What did you have going on? It was a week ago, actually. Well, just, that's old news then. No. <laughs> what did you have going on a couple weeks ago? I got to teach, oh, teach, teach a lesson on Exodus 32, which is the golden calf incident in Exodus. But, I mean, the message is don't commit idolatry, and Jesus saves idolaters, basically, summed up. But the uh, process of preparing was interesting. It's the first time I've really taught an extended lesson. So dealing with the historical background and um, trying to get the context of the book and why Moses wrote the book to the people and then um, connecting the purpose that Moses had for the Israelites he was writing to, which likely were second-generation Israelites um, based on some of the things that are said in the book. Um, Just connecting his purpose to God's intent for having it in the Bible for us, which Paul picks up on in 1 Corinthians 10, says these things are in there for an example to us. Um, So God had an intent for us. Moses had an intent for the people of God at that time. And for me, the task that I found very interesting and fun was trying to connect the common elements between the the two people when we were still humans. We're still idolaters. So it's kind of fun to do that. Cool. So real quickly, uh, you both got feedback. Part of the preaching class and teaching class here is that you get feedback from the teachers and from your fellow students. Uh, how was that process, Josh, in 10 seconds? How was that process? It was great. The two, uh, Dr. Andrew Zeller and Doug uh, Wallace, are the graders here, so that was fun. And then the class turns in sheets of paper with feedback on them, and I enjoyed reading those too, and I'd love more feedback. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, so that is a that is one of the... And my favorite feedback was just one word, hands. Hands? <laughs> use your hands or don't use your hands? Well, I know what I was doing wrong. I was... Don't pick your my nose. hands were just <laughs> all over the place. Gotcha. Why don't you show the listener what you were doing wrong? Yeah. Here, I'll show you, listener. There you go. <laughs> That's what you're... Washing your hands while you were talking? <laughs> so, yeah, that is one of the, one of the um, primary benefits, along with the languages of Sanger Christo Seminary, their program here is getting the feedback uh, regularly from when we preach and teach, uh, how to improve, how to clarify, how to communicate uh, in a way that is more beneficial to the listener. So thank you guys for sharing your uh, topics that you taught on and preached on and for sharing kind of how that experience went. So yeah, let's talk about let's talk about some resources. So we talked about context, context, context. We talked about uh, how you get or the importance of historical and cultural context. Uh, so I want to start by just recommending some study Bibles because study Bibles usually have some really good introductory um, comments 
on books of the Bible, what's going on culturally, what's going on historically, how it fits into the Bible as a whole. So what are some solid biblical or study Bibles that we would feel comfortable recommending to someone who just wants to get more engaged in God's Word and, and be confident in what they're, what they're reading? I think that the ESV study Bible is uh, very, you know, pretty, uh, it's not basic, but I'd say that's the kind of go-to for a lot of people. But I think you would be safe if you read the introduction to a book and you got everything it says. It usually offers the, the author, the background, the people he's writing to, the date, uh, what's going on. And for especially a layman who's not trying to maybe study as intensely as someone uh, who's going to be teaching and leading it in a small group, um, that would be definitely a good place to, to start out. And the Reformation Study Bible, of course. We could go there. So who, who's the... Give us some information on the Reformation Study Bible. Well, it's a Bible that... It's a Reformation Study Bible. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say is how many. I didn't say how many ways can you say that. I think it's uh, sprolls. <laughs> well, a sprolls Bible. <laughs> literally, you know, there's or not literally. Bible. There's sprolls Bible. Does <laughs> it have his name on the side of it? Yeah, I think he might be the general editor yeah. of the Bible. So yeah. sprolls Bible, practically. <laughs> practically. <laughs> and uh, I've got a so awesome, awesome resource. So before we go too much further, okay. so it's from Ligonier, right? So the so you can. I mean, I'm sure you can find it anywhere, but it's from Ligonier. Um, is, is basically where you could uh, find that Bible. If you yeah, I'm not get sure it. who publishes it, but I would assume so. I think they have it on their website to purchase anyways. Right. But I'm sure you get it like on Amazon or anything else. So same with yeah. the ESV Study Bible. So what, is, what are some other resources that someone could go to to find out uh, how to better and more accurately study the, the God's like Word? this um, Thick Lockman, and he has died, I just found out, I guess, a year ago. But um, he's got cartoons, which is right up my alley. He does a great job. Oh, so he has these books. This looks very illustrates. <laughs> What's his name? Like Vic Lockman. Vic Lockman. Dick. Vic. Victor. Victor V. V. Victor. That's so good, if you go to VicLockman.com, VicLockman.com, or you can look it up on Amazon, but I'd go to their website because I think they make more money that way. Vic. It's V-I-C Lockman. Yeah. Lockman. He's, he's a famous cartoonist. Just, just look up some of his cartoons. <laughs> But he's got lots of resources. One of them is reading and understanding the Bible. And he talks a lot about metaphors, symbols, types, figures of speech, allegories, etc. It's very helpful. And it's very easy because it's in cartoons. Awesome. So there you go. VICLockman.com to get uh, Josh's cartoon. Lockman. Car- okay. Josh's you know, cartoon read recommendation. Reading and understanding the Bible. And then you could also pick up Charlie Brown and... <laughs> Whatever else you want to pick up, cartoon wise. Uh, no, I'm sure that's really good. I've never read it, but it's very good. Josh wouldn't recommend it if it wasn't if it wasn't a solid resource. And then just to, just to finish up here, uh, we've been going through let the reader understand, which is a little bit more in depth. So if you've got some time to set aside, I think it'd be a healthy read, but uh, it definitely takes some time to work through. Uh, and then also Todd Friel has put out a primer on understanding the Bible called Herman Who, which is a playoff of obviously uh, the proper hermeneutic. Dr. Seuss. So it's uh, right next to Dr. Seuss on the shelf. Yep, at Barnes and Noble. So uh, yeah, you can go on. You can just type in, uh, find that online. Herman Who by Todd Friel is a very helpful resource as well for the um, just the the everyday Bible reader that wants to understand more about how to properly uh, understand what God has intended for us to mean in His Word. So uh, to summarize, 
Your hermeneutic is important. Context, context, context. And because God has spoken, we want to properly understand what he has intended for us to believe in a way that honors him and pleases him. Any closing thoughts? Any concluding thoughts? We have no more concluding thoughts. That's it. This is the end. And and that the music's now playing. That's it. Okay, I got it. Where we focus on making theology practical. Well, attempt was the original, but focus could be okay. Just that way, doesn't that way we can say well, if we failed, we we focused on it. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm.